Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com str. You have somehow ended up listening to the stuff that's real that you didn't know was real but also is cool podcast or sturdy dick were bayek or uh never mind What is going on, everyone, out there in the cyber internet, cyberspace, that we decided it was dead? The internet's dead. The internet's dead. We're all talking to ghosts. You're not listening to us. You're listening to bots that have deep-faked our voices. Yeah. But these bots today have brung you something. Did we decide if brung is a word yet? Should we do a stuff that's real on that word? We should do it. Brung. We'll, we'll save it for another episode. Okay, the English episode. language is dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I that's like that. Fair. I like that one. Yeah, that's fair. Well, anyway, you know, welcome back. This is your favorite podcast, and your number one favorite host is with me, Kevin Tumlinson, and uh, your second favorite host, maybe third. Kevin gets first and second place in my mind. (laughs) All right. I'll take third place, but I'm your third favorite host, Nicholas Ryan Thacker. I know no one knew that. That was my real name, but that's my real name. That's my full name. More importantly, I'm going to let Kevin talk now. Is that like the Spider-Man thing? Like, we're using our made-up names? (laughs) <laughs> we, we were using made up names the whole time. I am worried. Nick Thacker was a pen name for Nicholas Ryan Thacker. <laughs> yes. Speaking of pen names, author things. Yeah. I just got back from Las Vegas, which is just a horrendously terrible city and place to be in general. Yeah. And it really makes me want to gouge my eyes out with a spoon. But I went there because there were other uh, writerly fellows like me in attendance at a conference called 20 Books Vegas. And the conference itself was pretty cool. If you're out there and you're listening to me talk, one, you should not listen to me talk. You should go be writing a book. Um, and second of all, you should go to this conference in November every year. It's quite the time. And it's really stepped up its game now that we've gotten into a real hotel with real space. And we've invited real authors to come talk. Uh, so it's really kind of grown and come into its own. So it was a good time. It was a great time. I missed you there, actually. Yeah, I did not get to go. But we're, that's because we're working on house-related stuff. House, among houses things. are being built. Yeah. Kevin wants to make sure all the houses are getting built. And it's not, and and it's a good thing we stayed behind. (laughs) Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. There's definitely stuff that that they're not doing. And I know that they say they're going to do it, and they say they're going to fix it. We're actually going up again here in a few days to do yet another walkthrough. And that's going to be our life for the next few months, I think. That is infuriating to me, and I'm so sorry. That's what what it is. That's what it is. But everything I read on Reddit says that that's pretty much typical. That's normal, yeah. And I believe everything I ever read on Reddit, so... I should check Sorry, out Reddit sometime, but the internet is dead. So The internet's dead, so everything on Reddit is already outdated. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, what's not dead is our topics for today. I don't know. I don't have, I don't have a better segue, so that's what you're going to get, folks. <laughs> We've got some fun topics to talk about, I, and I can start if you want, if you don't mind. Well, this was brought to my attention by our good friend, Jimothy Heskett. That's his full name, which is the pen name for Jim Heskett. Good friend of ours out up here in Colorado, actually, just north of me. 
Yep. And he sent me this article. You know, he loves our show, but he doesn't want to admit that he loves our show. So he was like, hey, you can use this for your dumb show that you guys do or whatever kind of attitude, you know, because that's Jim, right? But I read that as Nicholas, Ryan Thacker, I'm your biggest fan. You are the most handsome and worldly fellow I've ever met. And I cannot get enough of your show. You must talk about this because it would validate everything I've ever done. But before we go on, okay. I want to call out that that is a spot on imitation. Thank you. Of Jim Haskin. Thank you. That That's- is an amazing rendition of that guy's voice. Uh, thank you. And I think it's also going to be pretty clear if he, if he listens to this episode. That's assuming <laughs> we will a lot. hear things. We will hear stirrings, I think, if he listens to this episode. I'm going to talk about something that's actually kind of, um, I guess I'd heard this as sort of an apocryphal tale many, many, many moons ago when I was in school and doing the scholarly thing, studying things like the Civil War. And this, this old myth is that Civil War soldiers glowed in the dark, or at least their wounds would glow in the dark. Have you heard this before? I have not you heard this, this little no. theory. That's this a new I don't one. I don't know if I had or if I'm just making up my memory of it, but I feel like I had heard somebody mention it a long, long, long time ago as almost like a joke. Like, oh yeah, these guys thought that they could glow in the dark. And it turns out that's true, man. It turns out that these guys who battled at Shiloh were befallen with wounds and their open bloody wounds after it got dark started to glow in the dark. Wow. And they called it angel's glow. Obviously, in Civil War era, we didn't really have things like science and medicine. <laughs> so they gave it names like Angel's Glow, and it actually was a, pretty much dismissed, like I had dismissed it. Uh, it turns out in 2001, this 17-year-old kid did a science experiment and found out that not only is it true, but he can replicate it, which is how science is supposed to work. And so he basically discovered that there was this bacteria and I'm trying to find the name of it here. The photo. Oh, did I, I don't know if I shared this article. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. So you can read along and see some of these pictures here. This little wormy looking thing kind of looks like the tardigrade that we talked yeah. about. Like a little hippo face with like a caterpillar butt. Yeah. But the photor habdus luminescens is this bacteria, which is pretty funny. If it was already called that, it kind of seems like we knew that these things glowed in the dark. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's the photor rabdus luminescens. <laughs> Sounds like something that would glow in the dark. Photor habdus, <laughs> luminescence. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that this kid, I'm assuming he didn't discover this bacteria. He just discovered that that's what caused this thing called the angel's glow. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a perfect storm of all these events that made this possible. First of all, you had to have a ton of people with open wounds, you know, like giant bloody wounds in their femur, that kind of thing, you know. And the reason you needed that is that these organisms had to be attracted to them, yeah, you know? And so they're just in this small location and I don't know if they're only in this forest, but they are in this forest, this swampy area that the Battle of Shiloh took place in where these bacteria live. And one of the other things you had to have is, well, let me just explain kind of how, how these guys work. And then, you know, you can understand a little bit of this perfect storm of events that led to this happening. Yeah. So you get these guys battling, a lot of them die, a lot of them live and they survive with wounds. And then when it gets dark at night, they start glowing, their wounds start glowing. And that's because these little insect larvae, there's these nematodes hunt down the insect larvae and they burrow into their bodies. They take up residence in their blood vessels and there they puke up this bacteria. And then when they are released, the bacteria emit this soft blue glow. Now it's also a chemical that kills the insect host, but it also suppresses and kills all of the other microorganisms inside of it. So it's Sort of this mutually beneficial bacteria, in a sense, when it comes to larger organisms like humans. Because what the reports were were that the guys that glowed, and the reason they called it angels glow, was that these guys were more apt to survive. Yeah. If they were glowing. So Take that, you can see science. how there'd be 
take that science. Yeah, you can see how there'd be some almost spiritual or, or religious yeah. belief that, you know, the, the, the angel has come through and marked the people that are going to live. But it's pretty cool. Why? It turns out that these luminescence bacteria can't survive at human body temperature, but the, the, this is in April. It happened April 6th was the battle, and these temperatures in Tennessee would have been pretty low, you know, in the 40s, and there was a bunch of rain. And so the soldiers that had been laying out there for two days began to get hypothermia, and so it lowered their body temperature. It gave the P. luminescence a good home until they could be moved to the warm hospital. So that's why these guys glowed at night, because the organisms could actually survive at that lower human body temperature. Wow. Um, and the other reason that uh, I lost where I was, but anyway, so there's just these kind of like really strange occurrences that all took place at the same time. You get a lot of open wounds. Uh, you get a lot of guys who are so cold that they get literal hypothermia, yeah. but they're not quite dead. And these bacteria actually go in. Oh, that's what I was going to say. They actually will because when they secrete this bacteria, the bacteria kills other bacteria and bad things around them. And so it actually, in a sense, cleans these guys' wounds. Wow. And that's why they were more likely and more apt to survive, was that they were in better shape, actually, than guys who didn't have this bacteria crawling all over them. So really crazy stuff. And this kid found out all this stuff. He just did some experiments and was like, I wonder if this is real. Anyway, I'll, I'll shut up in a minute, but this is so cool to me, man, because this is exactly what we talk about on the show, where as writers, we find these historic mythological legends, mm -hmm. and you and I both know this, they're often rooted in absolute yeah, reality. They're, they're rooted in something truth, that yeah. is real. You know, so obviously an angel probably didn't come by and mark all these guys, right? It was literally this bacteria that crawled, I mean, but but it had to be all these perfect little mechanisms in place for it to work this way and for people to live to tell about it. And so I just find this really fascinating. It's a great story. And I don't know, I just... I, Look, just kinda, because kinda you can explain a miracle, years. it doesn't negate the miracle. Well, so. okay. And I was going to get into that a little bit too. That's absolutely true, yeah. right? Like I believe that evolution, at least, you know, microevolution is a way that we adapt and societies of creatures adapt. Yeah. And I do believe in God and I believe that he put that mechanism in place. Like those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Right. And I think that's true with this too. Sure, it could have been an angel going by tossing, you know, bacterial infections onto these open wounds so that they could live. So the the concept of using like insect larvae, specifically fly larvae, right? Maggots to clean wounds, that's been around for centuries. And what ends up happening a lot of times, this gets used to this day. If you're in a, say, like a tropical region and you don't have access to any modern medications or, or surgical techniques or something to help treat an open wound, a lot of times they will use maggots to eat the necrotized flesh in the wound. That's in fact- That's still true? That's still, still true. That? In fact, hospitals worldwide, even here in the US, will sometimes do that because it's actually a much better and less intrusive way to remove necrotized flesh than you know using some- of the uh, other methods. Like if you're going to cut into somebody, there's a consequence to that. You're cutting good flesh as well as bad flesh, basically. Sure. That That's the sense. only way we know how to do that. Now we're, we're getting to a point where we have like computer guided and AI guided, you know, laser wielding Lasers, surgical robots yeah. that could probably cut it out at the cellular level. But the process of using fly larva for that has been around forever. So it made perfect sense. That's the first thing I thought of when I was reading through the article that this is essentially the same thing. Essentially the same thing, yeah. And the benefit is, in America at least, when you do get larva added to your wound in a hospital, you get to pay like $40,000 yes. per larva. Especially since um, it's at the now. end of it. And they won't itemize that, that receipt either. Right. They'll just give you a bill of 150 k Yeah. 
and then send you to collections. Fifty thousand so. dollars line item larva. <laughs> <laughs> larva. And they don't know how many larvae because no one's counting those yeah. things. They just toss a bunch on there and call it, you know. This is why I don't bother going to hospitals. If I am grievously injured, I just go find as many flies as I can and let them lay their yeah. larvae in. Just go roll around. If you have an open wound, just go roll around in the mud yeah, for a bit. Exactly. So it's so. been known to cure. <laughs> now, I, I think I got to pause here and say that we are, believe it or not, actually not doctors. Oh, speak and, for and yourself, nor do we sir. play one on TV. But I'm, so I'm I just want to throw that out there that if anyone. Though. <laughs> and I identify as a doctor, so. I'm not a medical doctor, you're right. Neither of us is a medical professional, nor a legal professional. We should just state that well, at the hey, beginning of every not, episode. Well, hey, speak for yourself, man. I, I didn't say legal. I absolutely <laughs> will give legal advice on this show. <laughs> anyway, but larva, man, this stuff is pretty cool. I might have to use this in an upcoming book. I'm imagining one of the things, so I'm working with a co-writer on a secret project that, it's not you, by the way, but we're trying to have an ancient Egyptian plague that, now I know this has been a movie a thousand times, but like a plague of zombies. And so one of the things that I like to do in my action adventure is explain that in a scientific way so that, you know, 2000 years ago, it, it would have seemed like a horde of zombies and there's no explanation, but, you know, religion or the devil or whatever. Mm -hmm. But today I'd like to try to find ways to explain it. So the point is I would love to put this in a book where, you know, there's an army of people who glow, yeah. for example. And, and, you know, throughout history, this glowing army has showed up only at night. And it's a very like a Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I can see right? it as like they're legendary in their ability to heal from wounds in battle. Like, you know, yeah, so this is uh -huh. some sort of so like- It's like a walking army right. of the undead. So they get arrows or spears or whatever, or in modern day, now it's going to be bullets or whatever, and they just sort of instantly heal. I could see that. but you, Yeah, and it could it ended up being like a cult yeah. you know, of people that they don't give their secret away, and they birth more of their own soldiers, yeah. and they live on a compound now, or something like that, where the word has never gotten out to the outside world. I can world totally that make that story these guys work. Are real. You know what it reminds me of yeah. is uh, James Rowland's stuff usually involves something like that. The book that you recommended to me first, the first one I ever read by him was Amazonia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And that has... It's my all-time favorite action adventure novel. And there's a sort of similar thing going on there. I don't want to spoil uh -huh. it for anyone. That's right. But there is Fantastic one, yeah. concept of nature, of a sort of supernature. Not something somebody made in a lab, but something nature made in its own lab. So I think that sort of concept is very realistic. I think you could totally do that. I already have a story in mind to incorporate what you've just said. Well, so, Dibs, you can't steal mine. So the bad news is I've already written this book. The good news is I consider you a co-author since I wrote it while we were talking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, the, the good news. And so I made this joke in Vegas. Ernie Dempsey was there, who is me and Kevin, by the way. We're all the same person. I made the joke. When I was giving my marketing talk, Ernie was in the room and I said, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, how me and Kevin and Ernie all just write the same book. We just say, hey, this is the idea. And then we each go write it and it's three different books, yeah. but it's really the same topic. Yeah. And no one seems to be picking up on that. So Or care. Whatever. No one cares. Or care. Yeah. But that's because there are only a handful of story ideas out there, really, when it comes down to it. Yeah. And you're true. seeing the same that's thing true. over it. So the interpretation and the metaphor is what's different. Cool, man. Yeah, I love this. I love this story. And like you said, there's a million ways both of us could spin this into something really interesting. I love the, the picture at the top of the article where it's got this like very mythic looking forest. and There's a tiny little guy yeah. at the... Uh, Isn't that cool? <laughs> like very Lord of the Rings fantasy. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, great. That's a great article. That's going in the well, old... Well, thank you very much. I, I take no credit for finding that. I'm going to totally steal that. So you have a very limited time in which to write this book. Um, <laughs> cool. 
All right, are we ready for mine? Mine's not no. nearly as elaborate as yours. Well, we'll make it elaborate. We'll elaborify this it. This is actually one of several stories. I thought about combining this with another story. And in fact, I think I will. I think I will briefly combine this with an additional story because the topic is strange objects appearing in the real world. So I'm going to drop in this other link for you, buddy. So the first article, they're not directly related except in their theme. But the first article is called the Mojave Megaphone. And this thing is located in Baker, California. And here's the deal. No one knows what this thing is or where it came from or who put it there. But it kind of looks like a cone of a rocket, you know, like a rocket engine sitting on its side. Oh, I did see this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this thing is only eight feet long. When I saw this first picture of it, I thought, oh man, that must be massive. They've got a photo of it next to a guy. So you can see, it kind of reminds me of like a rifle scope mounted on a couple of rocks out in the middle of the desert. But it's like eight feet long. No one knows what it's for. So some people call it the megaphone because it's kind of shaped like a megaphone. And some of the theories are things like maybe it was part of an alarm system to alert people to like secret chemical testing out in the desert. Hmm. Which I don't think is true because, frankly, if they're going to do secret chemical or gas testing, why would they want to alert anyone to it? That sort of belies the point of it being secret. Some people think that it's sort of an ancient, quote-unquote, drum that's made of iron, so it's fairly modern. It's not going to be something that was made by, like, the Native Americans of the region or something a thousand years ago, at least. If it is, I mean, that would be a cool story on its own, but it's welded iron, and it's thick strips, and there's, like, I think there's even, like, rebar in it. So they were thinking, well, maybe this is, like, a drum. You put stretch a skin over one end of it and you bang on that and you're playing a drum beat that can be heard for miles around. I'm not opposed to that general idea, but there are, if you look at one of the photos, there's a sort of cross of iron in the middle of this thing, Mm -hmm. which would, to me, negate the idea of it being for transmitting sound because that would actually break the sound wave. So I don't personally think that that's what this is for. But another theory is that it might be what they call a venturi, which is a venturi is kind of, they use this a lot in like oil and gas or anytime you're manipulating fluids or gases and you want to regulate the amount of pressure going through like a hose or a pipe, what you can kind of do is you put like an hourglass shaped thing, an interrupt basically between two pipes and it'll actually narrow that flow and you can control pressure that way. So that's what a venturi is. But this is not quite shaped like that. I I was thinking, you know, it could still be a venturi in that it's meant to step down, basically create more pressure, depending on which direction you're going. If you're going from the large side to the small side, you would be creating more pressure. So briefly create a jet of pressure in the middle that would widen out and, and regulate the speed or pressure going in that direction. Or if you wanted to lessen the pressure, then you would do it in the opposite direction and you would force it to narrow down and then burst out wide. So there would be a momentary push to kind of keep it going, but it would otherwise be much slower, uh, much less pressure. Hmm. So that's one theory, but I don't actually know what well, it You know is. what my theory is on this what thing? I think it's just really bad art. You think somebody just put some art out in the desert? Yeah, I think it's just want to put something. That is yeah, another I, theory. I don't know why. That is another theory. But it's California, man. They do some weird stuff out there. They I mean, do. It's like a Burning Man type thing. Yeah. You know? So, now that you've said that, that's a good segue <laughs> into the next piece of this, which is the mysterious monoliths that are appearing not just in California, but all over the planet. Actually, I don't know if one's in California or not. I need to scan back through the article, but... Yeah, there is one in Pine Mountain. Yeah, there is one in California. But there are these like 
steel monoliths. They started kind of appearing, well, they appeared in 2020, right? Which was in the middle of the pandemic. So that was the first thing that started freaking people out. It's like, we got this worldwide pandemic, and now there's these monoliths that are starting to appear all over the world. Um, so there's one in Utah, there's one in California, and I believe there was one in... Romania. Romania. Yeah. Which is, you know, natural. I mean, okay, Utah, California, yep. sure. And then Romania. Yeah. Like we're And these are like triangular prisms, they say, 10 to 12 feet tall, made of steel. They don't know who's putting them there or where they're going to after the event. There have been people kind of taking credit for these, but it's kind of like those guys who took credit for the crop circles. Like you start looking into their uh, history and everything, and you realize, oh, they couldn't possibly have been responsible for that. So there's a couple of people who've claimed responsibility who could not possibly have done all of these. But the first one I remember seeing was in Utah. It's like in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's miles and miles from anywhere. And it was found by like the Department of Public Safety or something. Like they were flying over and they saw it and sent someone in and started taking pictures of it. It was just this, you know, (laughs) like stainless steel or something, prism-shaped monolith standing in the middle of the desert or, you know, in like a, a canyon or something in Utah. Miles and miles from anywhere. No, like no one, whoever put it there, if human beings put it there, they went to a great deal of trouble to carry it across some pretty rough terrain. They had to have flown it in with a helicopter or something, but no one ever saw anything like this happen. And more importantly, no one ever saw it disappear, which it did later. So the one in, in, is it Utah? These two guys filmed themselves removing it. Yeah. Did you get to Uh, that part? I did Um, see that. um, These two jerks, sorry, I'm going to get a little opinionated here. These guys are like, well, the land wasn't physically prepared for the population shift. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they're worried that, you know, people come in and take pictures of this thing or whatever is going to ruin the delicate ecosystem. And these are these, you know, one guy's a base jumper and the other one's an adventure guide. So I don't know. Yeah. You picture them. But, you know, I'm kind of thinking it's like, it's just who, I don't know. Yeah. Those are the guys I'm talking about where you start looking into their actual history and it kind of turns out that they couldn't possibly have done it. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, maybe they did remove it. Maybe they did. You know, I can't really say for sure, but it's pretty likely that they are not the ones who put it there. No, I don't think they did. I'm saying that they took it upon themselves to remove it as if it were just a piece of trash. Yeah. And I'm saying it's probably not something from aliens. Yeah. But if it were from aliens, these guys gone messed up. Yeah. They done screwed us over. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like we just took down an alien satellite that's meant to triangulate their position amongst the stars. And now there are, you know, alien battleship just got lost. Perhaps a beacon that says, leave the, this one alone. Leave this planet alone. <laughs> and we just removed There is it. <laughs> a popular theory, it says in the article, that this, the Utah monolith is pretty close to where they were shooting Westworld. Yeah, I saw that. And so there is an idea that it may have been a, a leftover prop or a prank or something along those lines. I could get behind that too, but, you know. I'm not saying what it is or isn't, to be honest. What's interesting to me is how things like this kind of come up. Like, who th- who would have thought of putting it there and why? And if it was really some sort of art statement, like, that's in the middle of nowhere. The chances of someone finding it were pretty slim, just like right. the Mojave Megaphone. Right. It's about 14 miles from the interstate, the Mojave Megaphone. So I guess that one stands a better chance of being found. But you have to be out yeah, in the desert. I mean, <laughs> don't you think, though, that that's kind of where art – I mean, I have like a, a – uh, sorry, I can't talk right now. I have a very high hatred for art and like literature in general just because I think it's it's pretty stupid, a lot of it. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. I think it's, I think it's stupid. Yeah. But don't you think that's kind of where art? This it sounds so pretentious to do this, but that's exactly how I could see some artists yeah. imagining it. They're like, well, I made this uh, art sort that of nobody Banksy would see. Banksy type guy. Yeah. Going you know what I mean? It's got that kind of vibe. We're going to make it, a, a you know, statement. Used to be easy, but you painted a picture that looks like a person. And then you put it in a museum so people could see it. Yeah. And now art is like, well, I'm going to put a banana on the wall with duct tape, but I'm going to put it in the desert so nobody can I'm actually see it. I'm going to dress like a baby and drink rat's blood while standing in Central Park or something. Yeah. Now you're on board. Now that's you're an artist. That's you're an about. artist when you can do that. Now you're an artist. So that's kind of, I mean, I could see this being an art installation by some pretentious Californian, you know, that's like, well, sorry, that was redundant. Some, some Californian that <laughs> they're out in the desert like, well, this art was made for me and no one else. And uh, yeah. You know, it was never supposed to be found or something stupid. I don't know. I could see that being the narrative. Yeah. So possibly. Possibly. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is interesting to me. You know, these things are kind of along the same lines as like a crop circle or something to me. Like your objects that just mysteriously appear with no like known origin. So you get to speculate about it. Well, that's the great fun of writing, really, is coming up with explanations for things like that. There is a structure, and I gotta, I'll gotta, i have to look it up, and maybe this is a future episode, but it's a structure that just appeared out of nowhere that has the Ten Commandments carved on it. And is that, that the thing? Is it Georgia or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think that may be Georgia. So that's happened a few times, though. So like, there's, I wrote a, in one of my books, The Man Below... I wrote about an artifact that's in New Mexico that is the same thing. It's a stone that has been found that has the Ten Commandments written in Hebrew on the stone. And there's no explanation as to why that would be there. And it was discovered, hmm. and I'd have to go back and check all my notes and everything, but it was discovered at a time when there was really no reason, like no, no one's going to go put this out in the middle of the desert um, as a prank. Somebody put it there intentionally. So, yeah, you know, I based an entire story around that. And the same thing with like the Viking Tower, which is something we've talked about before and which I finally got to see in person. And, you know, objects like that, there's stuff like that all over the United States in particular. And that's what's intriguing is we don't have answers as to where it came from or why it's there. That gives us free reign to speculate until history and science catch up and tell us what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. I'm with you. I think that's all good stuff, man. That's yeah. um, that's a good con contribution. I'm proud of you today. Oh, well, thank you. I yeah, don't no. think it's as good as glowing wounds. Well. But I think. Like I said, I take full credit for finding that all by myself. <laughs> Jim. It's a good story, Jim. Good work. Some good stuff. Good work. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, that's been, uh, it's been a day. It's been a time. It's been a moment. We appreciate you sharing it with us. Your favorite podcast. Go tell your friends too, by the way. Absolutely. We could use a little bit more of that love. You can visit us online. We have a website at stuffthatsreal.com. It is now officially part of the dead internet. I don't know if I'm using that correctly, but I'm going to try to work it in from now on because it's kind of a cool theory. Well, you can go hear episodes like the dead internet theory and the, I think we talked about Stonehenge uh, numerous times. A couple of different, different Stonehenges. Kinds of Stonehenges yeah. and all that. So yeah, um, go, go check that out. And if you have, you know, like if you're sitting like Jim Heskett and just thinking, man, these guys are just too cool. I need to reach out to them and give them an if idea. If you're thinking, you can do that. I could do better then please yeah, yeah, well, send you us know, your stuff. It wouldn't be thinking. <laughs> no, if you're just sitting by yourself listening to our episodes over and over again on repeat like Jim Heskett is, feel free to send us you know, what you think is pretty cool, and, and we'll decide if it's cool enough for the show. Yeah. But you can do that at hello at stuffthatsreal.com, and we look forward to hearing from you if you do. Well, without further ado, we are going to let you get on with your day and your regular scheduled programming. So I am Nick Thacker. I am Kevin With Tomlinson. my buddy Kevin Tomlinson. I thought you were leading me in. 
I'm sorry. I know. I, I can never tell if I am or not, but I feel like I talk too fast. So I try to give myself extra pauses. <laughs> what I need to do, what I need to, this is what I should talk about this next episode. If you ever listen to like, uh, like talk radio, yeah. these guys, they're terrible about this, but they don't actually pause at the end of the sentence because then somebody else could, could butt in. Yeah. They pause in the middle of the sentence instead. So they'll do something like this. Well, they'll say, so Jeff, that's the end of the, uh, the episode today, but tomorrow we're going to come back with more and then like you know they'll, they'll string together these sentences where they pause in the middle of the sentence instead of at the end of it mm-hmm. like that uh and i think it's because they're habitually not wanting to get interrupted yeah so i'm gonna start doing that sure just for you why not sure <laughs> i'm known for not interrupting yeah it's definitely are you yeah yeah people <laughs> people say are you kevin Tomlinson? famous and, for and, not and you, they're like are you the one who doesn't interrupt people <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well speaking of interjecting Go interject your turkey with some brine. I don't know. Yeah. It's Thanksgiving around these parts, or at least will be next week. And we hope that if you're in the U.S. and you're celebrating, you get to have some uh, some good family time, friend time, yep. alone time, whatever time you need, you get. And uh, come back and listen to us after you're all rested and relaxed. Yeah. And um, yeah. we will be here to interject your weekly dose of fun into your brain. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Stuff that's All right. Real. Well. All right. That's probably enough today. We'll see you next week. Take care. Take care. That's real. Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages, eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com str.